We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Vinatieri on the approach. Flat balls popping here in Miami. It sails to the far side around the 8-yard line to Hester. Under it, and to the middle with the 15, to the 20, breaks free of the 25, to the 30, to the outside, 40, midfield, 40, 30 to the coast, 20, 15, Hester 5, oh! touchdown Bears! No way! Adam Vinatieri kicked the ball so high in the air, it gave time for the protection to get behind him and create a running lane, and Devin Hester followed his blockers. He caught the ball first and then went to work. A fast start. Delivered by the Windy City Flyer, the man they called anytime down here in Miami, Riviera Beach, Florida, to the big stage, the biggest in professional sports. Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. The blocking was good, the run was better. Devin Hester did a lot of that on his own. He was assisted, but he's just a great player making great moves. The Parkinson Spiegel Show, afternoons on the score. Are you kidding me? You hear that, and boy. You get goosebumps. That is one of the most exciting moments of the last generation for Bears fans. Jeff Joniak calling Devin Hester's opening kickoff return in the Super Bowl against the Indianapolis Colts. David Hall, Adam Hogue in for Parkins and Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Why are we talking about Devin Hester? Well, he is a pro football Hall of Fame finalist. We got that news, and we want to talk about Devin Hester with somebody who was his teammate who blocked for Devin Hester when he was returning all those touchdowns, and that takes us to the guest hotline sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That's where we find Jason McKee of the No Name Football Podcast, former Bear, head football coach uh, at Carmel High School. And Jason, thank you for joining us. How are you today? Doing good, guys. Happy New Year to you guys. What's up, J Mac? So, what was your reaction? Jason, when you saw Devin Hester is a finalist again, and how good are his chances of this time getting through that door? Um, I wasn't surprised. Obviously, we saw this same scenario play out last year where he was a finalist. And I know with talking with Devin last year, he was pretty bummed that he didn't he didn't make it last year. So uh, just talking with him when the news came out last night, he was excited about it, uh, being a finalist again this year. Uh, so I, I hope, I hope I mean, that's a lot of good guys on the list, as there always is. So uh, the competition, obviously, for that for that prestige, prestigious honor is high. But obviously, you know, having an interest in Devin playing with him and seeing what he did firsthand, you know, I'm a little biased. So I'm hoping he gets in this year, especially in 2023. Uh, it matches his jersey number of 23. So I think it'll be extra special for Devin. J-Mac, you, you know from being on those teams that, the, the the touchdowns get all the highlights and the and the views and and what everyone talks about. But can you give us a sense for how much just his presence and him being there as a threat helped you guys offensively with field position and just even when they wouldn't kick to him, how much that helped? 
Helped a lot. I mean, because, you know, when they didn't kick to him, we still got good field position. And when they did kick to him, we got good field position. And he made uh, special teams like when I played here, the highlight, one of the highlights of the game. I mean, everybody, regardless of what position you played on the sideline, was standing up at attention when he was getting, re- getting ready to return a kickoff or a punt. You know, everybody's on their feet uh, in the stadium as well. All the fans are up excited to see what he was going to do when that ball touched his hands. And, you know, he never disappointed. So he, he's definitely left his mark on the game. And just the way he played the game and the types of returns he had and the impact he had with our team, uh, you know, I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer, hopefully this year. But if not, he'll definitely get into my opinion. But you know, I think he's deserving this year. So let's see what happens. Have you talked to him? Does he feel like this is a long time coming? I remember last year when he didn't get in mm-hmm. as a first ballot Hall of Famer like a lot of us thought he should have. There was disappointment, and he was honest about it. What was his reaction this yeah. week? Yeah, obviously, like you said, he was mad about it last year. But, uh, you know, talk with him. He's just like, hey, you know what? I, I, you know, if I get in, I get in. You know, if I don't, I don't. But, you know, I, you know talking with him, I told him, I said, you know you're going to get in. You know, you're deserving of it. You have the, the credentials to do it. So he's just, you know, patiently waiting, you know, not really, uh, you know, looking at it in terms of like he did last year, just thinking, hey, you know what, I'm going to shoot it. He knows it's a process now. So I think he's just, you know, honored to be nominated as a finalist again. And he's going to let nature take his course and, and see what happens. All right. Well, coaching with you, I've been fortunate to hear some of these stories about what it meant to you guys blocking for him. Uh, can mm-hmm. you can you give our listeners an idea of sort of that competition that would go on even in the room to, <laughs> to either be the guy that sprung the key block for Devin or mm-hmm. on the flip side, if you were the guy that uh, you know made the mistake and didn't make the block and, and, and were the reason why he didn't spring one all the way, what was that like? Yeah, you know, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but we had our own uh, our own system in where there was compensation involved. So, you know, if you're on the kickoff return team and, and Devin returned a kick, well, there are certain guys who say, you know what, I got $100 per man if Devin returns a kick. So, you know, special teams was the most important phase. Uh, obviously, it was really important to us during that time. It helped fellows of Super Bowl. But you definitely wanted to be on, on, on all the returns because you knew any time he, he touched the ball, he had a chance to spring it and you didn't want to be that guy who missed a block uh, or, or, you know, didn't get on your man. And that man made the tackle and stopped him from returning a kick. So you know, it was extra special to us. It meant something. Uh, we had a lot of our starters on the returns. Um, and I think that helped, but when you have a dynamic, you know, player like Devin, a generational talent, uh, it wasn't hard to block for him. A lot of times, you know, I always tell, tell everybody, and I think I've told you this whole before, you know, I would just, it was weird because we would just get on our man, and then I had a front row seat trying to see what he was going to do with the ball in his hand. So, you know, you're on the field doing your job, but you're also trying to see what he's going to do and, and see the type of greatness he displayed, you know, every Sunday uh, down at Soldier Field. So it was a great experience. Um, you know, a lot of good guys on those special teams units, but, you know, Devin made things extra special. And he made a lot of us look good as well. Talking with former Bear Jason McKee here on The Score Jason revealing a Bounty Gate scandal at the Bears <laughs> getting paid for key blocks, and we'll leave that one alone, Jason. That's not Bounty. Okay. That's just well, blocking. I, it's related it to that really idea. Payola. But Jason, but clear this up because I really honestly don't know the answer to this. Were you on the field blocking on the kickoff return that we just heard when Devin returned it in the Super Bowl? No, so I wasn't on the field for that one. I was, I was, I was the middle up back all year on kickoff return. 
And I wasn't on that one because our last game of the season, I think we played Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. That's right. I suffered a high ankle sprain. Yep. So they took me off of uh, kickoff return because obviously I had to play on offense. So they wanted to make sure I was healthy. But it, it was a thing where, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, Coach Tobe wanted to have our starters on special teams, but he didn't want to, he didn't want any of our starters. And Levin didn't want any of our starters to get hurt on special teams. And I remember there was a time to where our running back coach, Coach Spence, was like, hey, you know what, during the season, we're going to take you off of kickoff return because you're the only fullback on the roster. And there was such a high emphasis on special teams. And I remember telling Coach Spence, hey, look, take me off offense. Don't take me off no special teams because, hey, we're, we're taking them to the house. So that's the type of, of competitiveness that we had uh, guys trying to get on, you know, all four phases of our special teams unit, but in particular the return phases, just because we had such a dynamic talent like Devin back there. But that, you know, and and that's why J Mac, I wanted to to have you share some of that stuff because I think mm-hmm. it speaks to the when when people try to minimize special teams, you know, as one of the phases, and it does happen. I mean, you hear when, the, especially when it comes to these Hall of Fame arguments, like. They're not on the field as much. I get it. That's true. There's not as many reps. Or, you know, he's just a kicker or whatever whatever it is. They're not they're not real football players. Uh, you know, wh- whatever it might might come up. In this case, when Devin Hester was on the Chicago Bears, there there's just you can't make an argument that he wasn't one of the biggest reasons why you guys were winning football games regularly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at and what he did, and, and, you know, I'll go back to, I mean, there are so many occasions on where he, he won the game for us. You know, you look at it, uh, that Arizona Cardinals game, where offensively, I don't think we even scored a touchdown. It was our defense, and then Devin returning, uh, I think it was a punny return that game, yep. you know, in terms of that. And look at the Monday night game we played that year against St. Louis Rams. I mean, he, he returned a kickoff, and then he even returned, we had our hands team out there at one point, he, ret- he returned a kick with our hands team out there, guys who aren't even used to blocking. So, I mean, he definitely is one of the main reasons why uh, we had a great season that year and made us the Super Bowl. But you look at it in terms of, you know, you talk about special teams players and you look at Robbie Gould. Robbie Gould was very implemental in us, you know, moving, uh, winning that game against Seattle in the playoffs, propelling us to the NFC Championship game uh, and moving on to the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's definitely one of the most important phases in the game. Uh, as you know, Hope, you know, at high school, that's the first phase we start practice off with because of it being so important. And, you know, the teams that, that don't treat it that way, I think those are the teams that are you know, on the bottom, the bottom half of the league, guys who don't take special teams uh, important because we've seen it over and over again, uh, not just with our team, but just in general in the NFL, it has changed, it has changed the outcome of games, whether, you know, you make a big return, you recover a key fumble, or it can cost you a game, whether your returner is muffing a punt, makes a bad decision in terms of fielding the ball. So, you got to be meticulous in your preparation and really put a high emphasis on special teams if you want to have a, a successful football team. Talking with former Bear Jason McKee, who is now the head football coach at Carmel High School in Mundelein. Jason, I want to get your perspective on what a week it's been in the NFL and for players, for coaches, and for former players. You're in a position that now you're dealing with young men who are at the beginning of their football careers, and they may look at what happened on Monday Night Football to DeMar Hamlin and have questions for you. You also look at it from a perspective of a former player who had to confront maybe your own fears and anxieties as things, even when you were playing, got to the point where you saw teammates suffering in the way that they did. 
What was your perspective and reaction when you saw what happened to DeMar Hamlin and the reaction from players when you knew immediately this was worse uh, than uh, your typical injury and something that we frankly have never seen before? How do you handle when players come to you if they do and ask you about or address some any fear or anxiety they have? Yeah, it's tough, you know, to see a situation like that, like you said, uh, David, that's never been, you know, we've never seen before. I've never seen it. Um, I've never experienced it with any of my teammates. Um, so to see those guys on the field and and the longer that, uh, you know, DeMar was on that field, you know, I, it brought fear to me. You know, my heart's beating, you know, for those guys. My heart's beating for his family. You know, we're at home. My family, we're praying for him. And, you know, a lot of times people look at us as, you know, we're, we're athletes, but, like we're superhuman human because we're, you know, the, the top percent, we're the best in, in the world at our occupation. But at the same time, we're people, we're human. And to see that happen, you know, football goes out of the window. You know, now you're just worried about his well-being. You think about his family. You think about, I think he has a son. You think about his son. You think about his mom. You know, you think of, like you said, uh, Davey, you think about his teammates. And, you know, it, it, it's tough because I know those guys, they're right there on the field. And they're helpless because there's nothing they can do to help their brother who is going through, you know, a situation. And, you know, I felt helpless watching it at home. I wanted to do something, you know, to try to help. But you're helpless and you just got to leave it in, the, uh, you know, leave it in the Lord's hands. And, and, and the guys who are out there, you know, the first responders out there on the field, uh, you know, helping them get through this ordeal. So it just puts things in perspective that this is a game that we play. And at the end of the day, you know, the well-being of our, of our brothers, our teammates, you know, that we that we spend so much time with on a daily basis, you know, they're they're at the forefront of everything. And we just got to keep in mind that this is a game we're playing. Uh, we can't take it take it for granted because it can be taken from us uh, at any given point. And I think that just put it in perspective uh, more so for the guys who are in the league, for the guys who have you know played in this league, um, the retired guys like myself. It just put it in perspective and makes you just appreciate that, hey, you know what? I had an opportunity to play in this great league, and I had an opportunity to, to be around, you know, my brothers. And, you know, you definitely can't take it for granted because it just puts things in perspective some, when something like this happens. J-Mac, uh, you, you and Olin Kurtz do a great job of, of following the whole Bears season, breaking it down every week on the No Name Football pro- Podcast. What, uh, what, as you look at everything you've watched with this team this year, What's the number one area that they have to improve? Yeah, I, I mean, it's tough. There's a lot of areas, uh, Adam, as you already know. It's hard to pinpoint one thing. But, you know, for me, I just look at the defense line, you know, not being able to get pressure, uh, not sustaining some type of pass rush. We got to get better there. But there's a lot of holes that, that we have to fill. And obviously, I don't think that you can fill that. And uh, you can fill all those holes in one offseason or one draft. Um, I think that development is huge you know with the guys that you have on the roster or some of the guys that you're counting on and some of the guys that you think will be back in a Bears uniform next year they've got to continue to develop because we got a young roster we do have some talent uh, is it being displayed on a weekend basis no it's not but at the same time if you want to be a great team in this league and have sustained sustained success it's about developing your roster but also bringing in talent uh, that can that you can develop but they can also that also fits into your scheme, your culture, your standard, your expectation. All of those things, is, all those things, is, is good chemistry for success. And if you don't have that on a year in and year out basis, well, then you're not going to be successful. So, you know, the Bears got a lot of work to do. Obviously, they got to go out there and play this last game. And and as many guys as we see on injury reserve, it's another opportunity for a young guy to come in and 
audition to be on this team next year, if not this team, another team. So regardless of, of where you're at in the season, you got any time you get a chance to touch that football field as a player, you're auditioning for a job. So you got to go out there and you got to play well and, and put your best foot forward. We, we've heard Matt Eberflus talk a lot about championship habits, laying a foundation. Mm-hmm. We know that Lovey Smith is one of his mentors. And I, I'm so I'm willing to hear when he talks about that, you know, putting that in so that when the next guys come in next year, this is already here. They understand what the expectations are. When you joined the Bears, in what ways was that, were those expectations, those understandings already in place? In what ways did Lovey Smith do that, that probably Matt Eberflus is trying to emulate here? Yeah, when Lovey came in, you know, we had uh, uh, Dick Jerron before that, and Lovey came in and really changed the, the culture and the mindset of our team. You know, he was real detailed in his preparation, real meticulous in the way we did things. Uh, but I think the big thing is, you know, everybody embraced the culture and the type of the style of play that he was trying to develop and the type of identity he was trying to set, uh, set forth amongst our team. Uh, but we had a lot of great leaders in that locker room. You mentioned Olin. We had uh, Brian Erlacher. We had Mike Brown. And those guys, you know, the, the head coach sets the standard in the culture, but those leaders that we had upheld the culture. So if it's it's one thing, you know, the coach is going to hold you accountable, but we were real accountable amongst ourselves. You know, no, the coaches couldn't get, they couldn't get, uh, we were more accountable amongst ourselves than the coaches could be, uh, hold us accountable because we weren't going to let things slide. If there was one of us that wasn't practicing hard, we were going to call each other out. And if we made a mistake in a game, we were going to call each other out because we knew what our goals were. We knew what the standard and expectation was. And I think you have to have those type of leaders in the locker room. And if you don't, well, then the culture slips. And once that culture slips or that standard slips, it's hard to get it back. So we had a bunch of guys that we, what me and Olin always talk about being multipliers. They multiplied the culture. They multiplied the standard. They multiplied the elevated play of everybody around them because they understood what we were trying to do and they weren't going to let things slide. Before we let you go quickly, Jason, so you came to the Bears in 2003. You played 88 games until 2009. Your quarterback when you got here was Cordell Stewart. Jay Cutler was the quarterback when you left. In between, too many to count, and I'm sure that you have. So when you look at this Bears franchise and you see what Justin Fields represents, is he the guy in your mind? Is there any doubt at the end of his second season that they can win and go where they need to go and want to go with Justin Fields as the quarterback? I think so. When you look at his toughness, you know, first off, I think a franchise quarterback, you got to be tough because, you know, one of the best abilities is availability in this league. And he's tough. You know, he obviously is not playing this week, but he's played injured. We've seen him get hit. We've seen him get back up, you know, get back under center. Um, and the way that he, I think the way that his teammates gravitate towards him, uh, the way that he displayed leadership, uh, you know, on the field, but also the way he displayed that in his press conferences saying, hey, you know what, I've got to get better, you know, taking ownership of, of the way he's played. And obviously his talent, I think he has a lot of talent. You know, obviously I think they got to build around that talent and, you know, they got to continue to develop him. But I think he is the quarterback of the future. He has all the tools to be. He has the uh, work ethic. He's got the mindset. And I think he has, um, you know, he, he's a winner. He's won wherever he's been. And I think he'll win here. I think there's just certain things that need to be put in place uh, around him to help, you know, make him better. But I think he can elevate the play of a lot of people around him too. We just got to build around him. 
And, uh, you know, another offseason, I think, of development will help him a lot. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the future. But I really do think Justin Fields, you know, is the future of the Bears at quarterback. Jason, thanks so much for your time. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Jason McKee, head football coach at Carmel High School in Mundelein, former Bear fullback and blocker for Devin Hester, joining us here on The Score. Chase Claypool had some interesting stuff to say today at Hallis Hall. We will hear what he had to say next on Parkinson Spiegel, Adam Hogan, David Haw, in for the guys, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You know, when you're always working with your teammates, you're encouraging them, you know, and you're challenging yourself, you know, to get better. And you challenge guys by making plays. You know, you go out there and make plays, and that's how you go ahead and get enthusiasm going, by making critical plays, make a big catch, you know, make a big run, you know, big yards after catch, um, you know, make a big interception, whatever that might be. But that's always done by performance, and that, you know, that's, that's done through execution. That's how you get passion and emotion in the game. Obviously, you have to have both, you know, to be able to do it at one time. You know, you have to have passion and, and execution at the same time. So that's what we're working to do. Welcome back. Parkinson Spiegel Show. David Haw, Adam Hogue, filling in for the guys today. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. That's Matt Eberflus on the Coaches Show, WBBM, earlier this week, talking about Chase Claypool, the passionate one. The passionate wide receiver whose little outburst drew the attention of Justin Fields and good it should and you can't really tolerate that but Adam before we hear from Chase Claypool who addressed that incident today at Hollis Hall and thanks to our guy Mark Grody for passing along that audio what was your impression number one of the way the Claypool and Fields interaction went and secondly the pressure he obviously is under to perform and to show something based on what the Bears gave up to get him yeah, I mean, first of all, it didn't surprise me that some frustration came out of that game Sunday. In some ways, you want to see that. Yes. You know, you don't want a team just sort to of a degree. going through the motions. But if it gets to the point where it's obviously a distraction on the sidelines, where the quarterback comes out, and this is... Fields fascinates me to some degree because there are some days he gets up there and he just doesn't really seem to be interested and he's not that passionate about what he's talking about. And then you have other times where he didn't play well Sunday and I thought he handled himself the complete opposite on the podium afterwards at Ford Field in in multiple, multiple different answers, but especially when it came to this Claypool thing in saying, hey, look, we wanted to see that passion, mm-hmm. but it can't cross over to the point where it's not helping anybody. And I thought he he showed a lot of leadership in that moment. Was part of that, though, in terms of, yes, you want to see fire out of your players. Yes, it is an emotional game. But everybody's different. And there are different rules that apply for different players. And when you have somebody like Chase Claypool, frankly, who comes to your team with some baggage, the only reason, rephrase that, one of the main reasons Chase Claypool was available and the Steelers deemed him expendable was because he had maturity issues, because he has been through that before. So in that context, that's why what happened Sunday in Detroit 
was more bothersome than your typical fire and passion from any given player. Yeah. I'm I'm interested to hear what he said because I had to leave Hallisall earlier, obviously, to come here and do the show. But I've done some digging on this even this week, both with Pitts, both in Pittsburgh and in Chicago, mm-hmm. to try to understand Chase Claypool a little bit more. And I think to what you just said is very important. You have to earn the equity before you can really be the guy that's like outwardly showing your frustration. And I, based on what I've seen and people I've talked to, I think there's a disconnect between what Chase Claypool thinks he can be providing. So if he's frustrated that they're not moving the football or whatever, and he's not involved in that, I think there's a disconnect between what he thinks he's doing to do that versus what in reality he's doing, what they're seeing on tape. Are you really fighting as hard as you can to get open? Are you really putting in the work that you need to do to understand this playbook now? How many weeks into this are we since this trade? It's November. Like we're way That's past two months. We're way past the point where if, if you sign with the team in June, you're expected to know the playbook by yeah, that's no longer an excuse. It, like you can't you can't no lean longer on that a crutch. Anymore. You cannot use that any longer. This is what Chase Claypool had to say today when addressing the Lions game and that incident. I was a little fired up because uh, you know we can't lose that bad ever. So you gotta have a little more pride, have a little more heart. Don't let that happen again. What did you say about him as the quarterback of this team to kind of take leadership in that moment? It's good. We had a good little back and forth. Like, you know, I was telling him my side. He was telling me his side. And we came to a common uh, ground. So it's always good when you can have that exchange with a quarterback that um, always follows up with mutual respect. What was, your, what was your side? My side was just like, you know, we're coming off the field three and out, sit on the bench, do the same, uh, same thing over. You know, something, something, something got to change in that moment. We got to realize, like, the drives where we have to score. We have to realize um, when it's not okay to go three and out. Like, we got to act that way. You know, like, if we go three and out, it can't just be okay. Um, and it isn't, but you know what I'm saying? Like, we got to really, like, have that fire and energy and realize, like, yo, like, it's time to go. We went three and out two times in a row. They're scoring points. Lead's getting bigger. What are we going to do about it? Was that, was that a buildup of frustration boiling over? Just a buildup of that game, you know, like, you know, like, I just always believe that we're, we're in every game no matter what scores. Um, so if it's third quarter, we're down 21, like, I still think we can win. And I want I want to see other people believe that with me, you know. Um, I don't want people to get comfortable with going three and hour like, damn, we've been here before, you know. Like, we've been here before, and I guess, shit, we know how to lose. I was like, not know how to lose, but, like, find that comfort and like, damn, this just happened last week or this just happened two weeks ago or three weeks ago. We got to be uncomfortable with being in that position. So it's all about mentality. Right? Yeah. And I get it. Like, you know, I get it. I don't get it. Like, end of this, like near the end of the season, you know, people are beat up and stuff like that. But, you know, every week, no matter what the record is or what it looks like in the season, like, we got to win every game. Or we got a chance to win. We got a chance in every game. So this wasn't a personal. Chase Claypool at Hallis Hall today. More explanation than apology. Yes. And I find it very interesting to hear what we came back from the break with with Matt Eberflus, who basically said, all that fire and passion is great. Do something about it on the field. Yes. I I, I that, think that's the case. That's the that's the goal. I I don't know that 
you want to tolerate or can afford to if you are a young developing team, these little little passionate outbursts in the name of competitiveness. So so that's what I'm getting at when I say I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between what Chase Claypool thinks like the guys around him need to do something to get them to stop going three and out versus I think what Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and everyone else and probably Justin Fields is like, get open. That would help us go not through. Here's the mirror. Three and oh. Yeah. Here, here's the mirror, Chase. Might, might want to look in it. At, get uh, get your playbook, too. I, I don't know. I thought that he was going to sound a little bit more contrite. This is a guy who, when you have not performed up to expectations, and there are a lot of reasons why. We don't need to amplify those anymore. But when you haven't done what people expected you to do and you are a player that the team that traded for you gave up a lot to get you, and then you have a little bit of, you know, you're known more for your immaturity than you are for your production, I think that you better sound a little more contrite. Yeah. Is that overstating it? I I just, that's a little surprising there because I hadn't heard that before. Mark Grody texted me, said this is pretty good, and it was very candid. But I thought it, I think it's interesting. The, you, wide receivers have big personalities. Yes. That's okay. You better have big numbers too. Right. You got to deliver. You got to deliver. Along with that. Especially when it's a guy who you gave up what they gave up, which is essentially a first-round draft pick, late first-round draft pick, yep. second technically. And you did it to get ahead of yourself in the free agent class because not a lot of free agent wide receivers will be available of his caliber in theory. It, in theory. It almost literally could become a first-round pick if the Bears end up with the first I know, pick. Because it'll be Dolphins. number 32. I know. It'll be number 32 in the draft. So that's a <laughs> that that's a big price for somebody who I have not given up on. I have been consistent with this on the morning show. I'm not going to. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt going to the offseason – Hope that it returns healthy, knowing the playbook and having that rapport established with Justin Fields, that chemistry intact. I still think he can be a winning player. But this gave me a little pause. I'm not going to lie. Another thing I want to point out, though, I don't think Ryan Poles traded for him with the intention of him being the Bears' number one wide receiver. Well, I hope not. And and, and so He's not a bona fide number one. Right. So I, I guess what I'm getting at is, okay, you give him another offseason. He's going to be going into a contract here. You get Darnell Mooney back. Ideally, and we better be sitting here like a year from now, right? Not even a year from now, four months from now, talking about how the Bears either landed a stud in the draft or in free agency at wide receiver. Okay, now maybe he's your number three. And – the whole thing could look a lot better. Well, I don't That's know about the saying. number. You're, I don't know about yeah. the numbering system. I think the Bears do need that number one receiver, whether it's in the draft, whether it's a guy like Quentin Johnston or DeAndre Hopkins or boy Devontae Adams. Would I'll be more specific, good? just in okay. terms of production. Yeah, production. Okay. If he's number three in production next year amongst your wide wide receivers, then I think it's a worthwhile deal. Then I still think it's okay. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm getting. at. It is, and yeah. I hope that that's the case because that would mean the Bears in theoretically have a passing game where they have two other receivers worthy of catching more passes than Chase Claypool. Yeah. Who either stay healthy enough or get open enough. That's been the biggest problem too. And that also goes back to our uh, main point, the way we started this show in terms of what Justin Fields needs to help him progress as a passer, improve as a quarterback. 
You need receivers that can get open and then a line that can protect you. Right. And then those things will happen. And he really hasn't had both consistently. He's had times, certainly, but not consistently. I also want the Chase Claypool that caught 10 touchdowns as a rookie in Pittsburgh. I know. I want that guy, and I think that that's a lot to ask, but when you when you raise the expectations – you, that you 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 set the bar pretty high, and when you fail to meet that, then you are a symbol of disappointment. And right now, that's the only reason he's in Chicago because to Pittsburgh, he symbolized disappointment. One of my friends made out with Chase Claypool in college. He said he was a really nice guy. <laughs> so if that if that makes you feel any better about his Why contributions this season, feel any better? He know. can actually, know, David. He can catch a pass. Your friend or, went to Notre Dame? Yeah. You have a friend that went to Notre Dame? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's why I, I was more focused on that. Why is that weird? It's like know. a local school, and I'm from here. It's not a local school. <laughs> I would say it's a local school. You get into Notre Dame, you have, to have a, you have to have a pretty uh, high GPA. All right, so are you, are, are you explicitly <laughs> saying all of my friends are stupid? <laughs> no, not, not at all. He's linking Same. GPA to. Not at all. It's coming from friend. the guy from Indiana. I was just setting you up. If we're power ranking the states, it's number 51. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's also where Notre Dame is located. It is where Notre Dame is located. I will remind you, South Bend, Indiana, very nice place. No, it's lived not. there for 11 years. <laughs> yes, it is. My son was born I lived in South there for Bend, a year Indiana. And a half. It's not You're nice. You're going to disparage South Bend, Indiana, the birthplace yeah, of my son. I am. My son was born in Wausau. I don't talk it up. <laughs> You didn't live in Wausau. I, you did, were on, I did for a month. You were on vacation. Yeah. But then I then, had to live there. Then you had to live there for a month. Yeah. South Bend sucks. Enjoy the Chipotle out there. It's more than Chipotle. Nice place on the river. Oh, man. Now I'm getting nostalgic. Good thing the Pop show's almost South over. South Bend. <laughs> End the show. Shane, I'm going to tell a quick story. Yeah. So, Wani was just in here. Dave once says coached at a lot of different places. He's coached at USC. He's coached at Miami, Oklahoma State. It's what happens when you don't have a lot of success. You Chicago, bounce around a Chicago, Pittsburgh, lot. Miami, right? Dave Wanstead, who is a high-character guy, moved around, successful coach by any measure. I'm, not, I'm ignoring that. It's a cheap I can't. I seriously can't even believe Shane said that, cheap even shot. as a joke. Is he still in there? <laughs> probably. No. Okay. Yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, he doesn't do much. His wife, Jan. His wife, Jan. Wonderful woman, right? Yeah, she's great. So she's at the holiday party. Wani's making the rounds. We were talking, and I was just talking to her about all the different places that they have lived. And I said to her, of all the times you traveled around the country, of all the places you have lived, where was your favorite? Where was your favorite part of the country to live? And she said, you know what? I get that question a lot. My favorite place was wherever we are now. Oh. Wherever you are now, Shane, that is where you make the most of it, and that is where you buy into it, right? and that's where you take pride in. So, David, take a note here. Yeah. You can see I'm clearly not in South Bend. <laughs> but I was for 11 years. So if I am one place for 11 years, that means that it's a place worth living, and it's a really good hometown. So take that! <laughs> take that, Sparkle. Oh, take Did that. they retire take that yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, they, be where your feet are. <laughs> be where your feet are. Chuck Pagano. Yes. How'd that go? Thank you, right, Adam. That's fine. Yeah. Again, not a lot of success bouncing around. Yeah. All right. We got to wrap this thing up. We got one more segment, right? Is that, am I on? We usually do one last thing one in last the final thing? segment. So if you have that, any one last thing questions, go ahead and get them in. All right. One last yeah. thing questions. You can text them. You can tweet them. You can twitch them. Whatever you want. Shane will get them. One last thing. Adam Hogue, David Hall in for 
Parkins and Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. It's been a long four hours. Afternoons on The Score. Just one more thing, please. I thought you had a clock to punch. I do. I'm leaving right now. It's time for One Last Thing. Let's let someone else ask a couple questions. I just want to ask you. And then we'll come back to you. One question. How about that? Let's let everybody else and we'll come back to you. Ask any question. I just want to ask you. For anyone on the show. Then I can figure out who I want to answer to. I don't need your help with that. I just want to ask you. One question. Does anyone else have another question first? I got a question. All right. I just want to ask you. Thank you. One question. One Last Thing with Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score. Yeah, that's how they do it here. Parkinson Spiegel, David Hall, Adam Hogue. Filling in for the guys, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I recognize that Lovey Smith voice. He's going to win a game this week, and that would be the biggest victory he's provided for the Bears in a very long time. Wow. Very long true, time. True, though. Uh, yeah. True. So how does this work, Shane? Do you ask the questions? Yeah, there, I'm going to ask okay. you the questions. All right, go I'll ahead. over from here. On Twitch, for both Adam and David, what was your longest and or most difficult day as a journalist or a radio host? Wow. You want to go with that first? Longest or most most difficult day. Longest or most difficult. Yeah. Hosting radio or being a journalist. Tough to think off the top of my head, but. It's kind of the point of the segment. I know, I know, I know. I I would say in general, like the um, NFL free agency days every year, like when free agency starts, it's just like it's nonstop for 24 hours. I've done the double a couple times in radio here. That's not been too bad. I enjoy it, but. When I was back in South Bend, <laughs> uh, one year after the NCAA tournament draw, there were, I think, seven schools in, in the state of Indiana that made the tournament. And because I was a columnist at the South Bend Tribune, I thought, what a cool thing it would be to get to every campus to sample March Madness. So I started the morning at 6 in the morning, got home about 10.30 at night, and drove around the state, went from Notre Dame to Ball State to... Terre Haute to Purdue, all over the state, and all the teams that made it, and it went back, and that was my longest day. Oh. Tanny, you've been here longer than pretty much anyone. What is your longest or most difficult day here, well, and why a... is it every day working with Danny and Speaks? No, usually you set me up for something funny. It's not going to be funny what I'm going to say, but I was going to ask David if it was uh, not a Brandon Marshall press conference day. That <laughs> was too. That yeah. might have been second. Either it's that... whack to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's whack, bro. That's whack, bro. Yeah, you know I'm... that was a very long day, yeah. but he gave us a great segment. So thank you. Oh Brandon. yeah. Yeah, we we carried that entire press conference that day. That that, that not that one from that press conference, but the you know calling the Bears assembled media into the room just to talk about you know court transcripts and stuff like that. But Shane, we've been here on the afternoons for a lot of you know tragedies in life uh, have played out like in in real time while we're trying to do the afternoon show. So I don't want to get into specifics, yeah. but like we've had a few uh, long days here on the afternoons, and those who've, you know the listeners who have been with us for extended period of time since Dan and Terry were here and before that know how tough sometimes these have been so right the 60 days or so between the Super Bowl and baseball season starting all of those days are yes. the longest days of my career <laughs> yes not to go all, all sullen but Tanny took <gasps> me there the day that Les passed away yeah uh, I was solo I believe because Molly was off and I had to break the news to everyone when Mitch told me about 5.30 in the morning. And that was a tough day. That was a very long day. I just thought of my answer. Yeah. I knew it was going to come to me. It was Blackhawks Championship Parade 2010. We had a remote. This was the score. We had a remote uh, at a bar near Wrigley. Cubs and White Sox were also playing. World Cup was starting that day. A former producer here 
got suspended and Adam Hogue had to work the, from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. every single show that day. Who that was the producer that got suspended? Um, what's his name? He would love. He would love for you to say that. I thought you were trying to protect him. I man. honestly can't remember. D- DJ knows that's are. what it was. My guy, oh, DJ. That, oh, I remember why. <laughs> yes. The 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 punishment was that he got like the greatest sports day in Chicago history off. Yeah. I didn't get it. And a head start. He should have had to work from five a.m. to ten p.m. How is that? I'm still upset about it. Did you ever have to work overnights? Twice. I'll ne- I, yeah, I, not for me, man. Okay. It was tough. I did. I did do it a couple times. Okay. <laughs> Samurai sweetness on Twitch. Uh, David, what's your favorite color of flannel? Oh, you know, I go back and forth now that I'm a big flannel guy. Mm-hmm. I have a real colorful red. And royal blue print. That's I a horse blanket. Well, it might be. I, I might have been a horse blanket back. I, I wear it on occasion. Classic um, red flannel. Yeah, but I, I kind of like the uh, I kind of like the blue check though. Yeah, best. looks good. Okay. I think we're good, Danny. Want to wrap it up there? <laughs> no, I kind of like it. Let's keep it. Going. <laughs> <laughs> Need to get to Gabe and Grody out in Woodstock. Gabe and Grody, yes. Oh, out there's it. all access first. I'm sorry. All access is right here on the score following us at six o'clock and then Gabe and Grody and Gabe went, uh, Gabe. Shane, why don't you tell everyone where they are again? They're in Woodstock. In Woodstock. The, the whole uh, town. Uh, offsides bar. Offsides right? bar. Offsides bar, I think. In, in yes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Gabe is actually going to do one show tonight, not yep. two at the same time. Grody is going to play the hits, I'm sure. Uh, Mark Grody, all the insights. So, yeah, the, make sure you check them out tonight. Uh, all access next. I will be back in the morning at 5.30. Mully and Haw. Zach Zaidman will be sitting in for Mully in the morning. Looking forward to four and a half hours next to the ginger-haired genius. Adam Hogue from CHGO, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. Was- Tanny, Shane, well, we got through it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for being a true pro. It was a lot of fun. A decent teammate. Thank you. Nice to have one around here for once. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> nice. It's nice to, to look past this glass and be like, yeah, this could be pretty good. Thank you to Dave Wanstead. Thank you uh, to Jason McKee. Thank you for listening. You are listening to Barkins and Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I'm done. <laughs> it's five. I'm out of here. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.